Let's open our Bibles again together this morning, this time to the book of Romans, chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, and I'm going to read and preach two verses this morning, verses 16 and 17, sermon title is Faith Comes from Hearing, taken from verse 17, it's actually the title of our radio program, Sunday mornings at 9 on WPFG 91.3. It's uh, just a replay of one of the recent Sunday morning sermons, but we titled it, Faith Comes From Hearing, based on Romans 10, verse 17. Let's continue to pray for fruit from that radio broadcast. But uh, these two verses in Romans 10 are about two things, unbelief and faith, respectively. Unbelief is the natural response, the instinctive, knee-jerk response of a sinner to the gospel. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. As Pastor Decker talked about two Sundays ago. But faith comes from hearing the gospel. Not just with the ear but with the heart. And God is the one who regenerates our heart and enables us to receive the gospel, to understand it and to see that it is not folly, but it is actually the wisdom of God and our only hope of salvation and eternal life. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, Paul says here in Romans ten seventeen. In other words, God creates faith in our hearts And God sustains and grows and strengthens faith in our hearts through hearing his word, through hearing and believing his gracious, powerful, life-changing word. We're going to consider that together as we look at these verses, but first let me lead us in prayer again, asking for God's help as we come again to his word. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we come to you asking again for your help as we come again to your word because we need your help. We are not self-sufficient. We are not strong in ourselves spiritually. We are weak and heavy laden. We are easily distracted. We know that our hearts and our minds are prone to wander. We don't always see the significance of the truths of your word that are before us. And even if we do, we know we can't change our own hearts by them. Only you can do that. So we need your help. So please help us now as we all gather around to sit at your feet. Your word is truth. Your word is the ultimate authority in our lives and in the entire universe. So help us to sit humbly under your word now, to listen eagerly to it, to receive it in faith, and by your enabling grace to apply it to our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Romans 10, reading verses 16 and 17. This is the word of God. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, 
Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. We'll look first at what Paul says about unbelief there in verse 16, and then at what he says about faith in verse 17. And there are four things we should notice in verse 16 as we focus together on that verse. Four things. First of all, notice the word but at the beginning of the verse. It signals a rather abrupt turn in the flow of thought up to this point. Paul's just been talking about this wonderful chain of events in verses 14 and 15, but then there's a break in the chain. Let me start reading at verse 13. Paul says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. So you can't call on the Lord for salvation if you haven't believed in him. You can't believe in him unless you hear about him. You can't hear about him unless someone preaches and they can't preach unless they are sent. But sometimes they are sent and they preach and the person hears, but the person doesn't believe and doesn't call on the Lord for salvation. So back to our cookie baking analogy from last time. All the ingredients can be mixed and the cookie dough can be put on the baking sheet and the oven can be ready. But if the cookies never go into the oven to bake, you're not going to have delicious cookies to eat. Paul's saying this is the chain of events that must happen. These are the ingredients, the steps that have to take place in order for someone to be saved. But sometimes there's a broken link in the chain. Someone has to hear the gospel in order to believe and call on the Lord, but hearing the gospel doesn't guarantee they're going to believe and call on the Lord. Sending and preaching are necessary, but so is believing and calling. And not everyone who hears believes and calls. Paul says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Second thing to notice here, Let's get some clarity on who he's talking about, on who the they is in the verse. He's talking about his fellow Jews. He's talking about ethnic Israelites. They have not all obeyed the gospel, which is a way of saying most of them, the majority of them actually, have disobeyed the gospel. Look back at chapter 9 for just a moment, verse 27. The end of chapter 9, verse 27 And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. If you look down in verse 31, but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. 
And then he goes on at the beginning of chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Remember what the Apostle John said in John 1, 11. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Paul saying, but they, my fellow Jews, have not all obeyed the gospel. Thirdly, let me say a quick word about the language of obeying the gospel. This language is occasionally used in the Bible, basically as a synonym for believing the gospel. Like in John three thirty six, for example, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. See, the gospel calls for a response. We are called to repent and believe in Christ. So if someone doesn't repent and believe in Christ, they can be said to be disobeying the gospel. So the language of obeying the gospel doesn't mean that salvation is by works because to obey the gospel here means to believe the gospel. John 6, 28 and 29, then they said to him, to Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So to believe the gospel is to obey the gospel. To disbelieve is to disobey. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Many people have failed to obey the gospel, but of course that's not the gospel's fault. There's nothing wrong with the gospel. The fault is in the hearers. Like a broken radio. There's nothing wrong with the broadcast from the tower Rather, there's something wrong with the receiver. In this case, the receivers are rejecting the broadcast instead of receiving it. Fourth thing to notice about verse 16 here. Notice that this was actually prophesied. This was predicted in the Old Testament. Paul says in the second half of verse 16 there, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard? From us. He's quoting Isaiah 53, verse 1, showing that this is what Isaiah prophesied as a prophet of God would happen. What God foretold is what is now being fulfilled. The Apostle John, again, also quotes this particular verse, Isaiah 53, 1. In John chapter 12, verses 35 through 38, we read the following So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, 
so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, quote, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Three things by way of application here as we think about verse 16. First, this should make us sad that not all obey the gospel. It's not a good thing that so many people reject Christ. It's a bad thing. It's a sad thing. The unbelief of unbelievers should make us weep, not rejoice. It should draw forth compassion and pity from our hearts, not pride or finger pointing. Like Jesus wept for Jerusalem, so we should lament for the lost. Our heart should be like Paul's heart, expressed back in chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, when he said, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. I would challenge you, even as I challenge myself, next time you see an unbelieving neighbor or coworker or family member, do a heart check. A heart check. Ask yourself, do I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart that this person has not obeyed the gospel? Do I care? To what extent do I care? When you're watching the news or scrolling through social media and you encounter unbelievers and their unbelief, do a heart check. Is there more pity in your heart or pride? Is anger at them a quicker reflex than prayer for them, for you? But they have not all obeyed the gospel. This should make us sad, not mad. And should draw forth compassion and and pity and prayer from our hearts. Secondly, by way of application here, I think it's helpful just to know and to remember that sometimes people will reject the gospel that we proclaim to them. And it's helpful to know that if they reject it, we have not failed in our evangelism. If we've proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, we have succeeded in our evangelism. We've given them the medicine. Now we can trust God, our sovereign God, with whether or not they take it. Of course, we should want them to take it. It's not like we shouldn't care whether or not they take it. It doesn't really matter to me. My job here is done. No, we should care deeply. Like a good doctor cares for his patient and wants him to take the medicine he's prescribed for him. We should care deeply. It's just that we should realize that whether they take it or not is out of our hands. What's in our hands is the medicine and we should give it to them. 
What's out of our hands is whether or not they take it. And even if they refuse it, our God is still glorified by the open statement of the truth of his gospel. Thirdly, by way of application here, as Christians, we should remember again and again and again that the only reason we have obeyed the gospel is because of God, not us. Because of his grace, not our intelligence. Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 1, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say, and because of you, you are in Christ Jesus. It says, and because of him, meaning God the Father, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Because of God and God alone, we are those who have obeyed the gospel. We are those who have repented of our sin and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation. We had no desire and no ability to repent of our sin, but God gave us the desire and the ability to repent of our sin, 2 Timothy 2.25. We had no desire or ability to believe in Jesus, but God gave us the desire and the ability to believe in Jesus, Ephesians 2.8. We were unbelievers, but by the grace of God alone, we are now believers. And that truth should be to us a bottomless well from which we draw gratitude and humility and joy. Now, verse 17, about belief. One of the most famous verses in Romans and perhaps in the whole Bible. Verse 17, Paul writes, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And I want to focus on the two halves of the verse. In the first half, again, Paul says that faith comes from hearing. Of course, ultimately, faith comes from God, Our ability to believe comes from God. But what Paul means here by faith comes from hearing is that hearing the gospel is essential to believing the gospel. Like he said back up in the middle of verse 14, in the middle of verse 14 he says, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? You have to hear about Jesus in order to believe in Jesus. Faith comes from hearing in that sense. Sometimes we hear the phrase, seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. We understand sometimes why that phrase is used, but faith doesn't come from seeing. Faith comes from hearing. When it comes to the gospel, hearing is believing. Now, that doesn't mean that hearing is automatically believing. We just learned from the previous verse that many people heard but did not believe. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? But when the Lord saves someone, he grants them faith through hearing. Galatians 3, 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing 
with faith. We are not saved through seeing the gospel or feeling the gospel or smelling or touching or tasting the gospel. We are saved through hearing it and responding to what we've heard in faith. So faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? Well, second half of verse 17 says, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ or the message about Christ, the gospel. The message about Jesus is the good news about his life and death and resurrection and the salvation from sin through faith in him that is held out to all. The gospel of Christ is not the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. The gospel of Christ is not the social justice gospel or the political gospel. The gospel of Christ is not the self-esteem gospel or the self-help gospel. The gospel of Christ is not the faith plus works equals salvation gospel. No, the gospel of Christ is the biblical gospel, the message delivered in the pages of the Bible from God to us, the message about God in his holiness and man in his sinfulness and Christ in his perfect life and sacrificial death and victorious resurrection for sinners and the call to repent of sin and believe in him for salvation and eternal life. That is the gospel that is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That is the gospel we heard and by the grace of God believed. And that is the gospel we are called to proclaim to all because faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, as you can imagine, there are many implications of this truth that faith comes from hearing. And what I want to do with the time we have left is I want to mention what some of those are in terms of our life together here at CRPC, here in this local church, particularly for the members of this church. And if you go to another church or you're you're just visiting this morning, uh, some of these things will be applicable to you as well. And you can think about the implications of this biblical truth in the life of your own church. Uh, But I want to mention these implications under the three categories of our mission statement here in this church. Worship, nurture, and witness. Worship, nurture, and witness. Let's think about each of those and the implications of this truth under each heading. So in terms of worship, because faith comes from hearing... What are the implications of that for our worship? Well, that's why the word of God is central in our worship services. We focus mainly on the ear and not the eye. That's why we don't have images or icons or stained glass windows with images. That's why we don't have much in the way of decor. We are deliberately focusing our attention on the word because faith comes from hearing. Of course, God has given us the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper where we not only hear the word, but we also see it and smell it and taste it and touch it, as it were. But even those means are rooted and grounded in the word. 
and are meaningless and powerless if they are disconnected from the word. This truth also shapes how we think about preaching. We seek to preach the word. God creates faith and strengthens faith by the word. So we don't preach our own ideas. We don't preach the wisdom of man. We preach the wisdom of God and the word of God. We believe this truth should also shape our practice about children being with us in the worship services. If faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ and the preaching of the word of Christ is the centerpiece of corporate worship, we don't want our children to miss out on that. We want them to be here for that as much as possible. And we trust that God will use that means of grace, no matter their age, to work powerfully in their hearts according to his sovereign will. This is also why we try to make the gospel clear in our sermons and throughout the service. We want unbelievers to come to faith and faith comes from hearing the gospel. So if you invite your neighbor or your coworker to church who's not a Christian and they come, we want them to be able to hear the gospel. That is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Think about our singing as well in terms of our congregational singing. This is one of the reasons we sing the Psalms and also hymns, both ancient and modern that are rich in biblical content. We want to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, Colossians 3.16, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. The fact that faith comes from hearing the word, I think, should also shape our view of family worship and secret worship or quiet time or personal devotions. Because if faith comes from hearing the word, then the word should be central in those times, shouldn't it? And we can trust God to use the word during those times to grow our faith little by little, day by day. So that's worship. How about nurture? In our mission statement, we say that we nurture growth in Christ in ourselves and in each other. And the fact that faith comes from hearing the word should impact both of those endeavors. In terms of nurturing growth in Christ in ourselves, again, the word both sustains and strengthens our faith. Like food sustains and strengthens our bodies, the word sustains and strengthens our souls. So we don't want to starve ourselves. We want to feed ourselves the word. We don't want to fast from the word. We want to feast on the word. In terms of nurturing growth in Christ in each other, I think this truth can inform our conversations with each other. We can strive to encourage each other with Scripture, with the Word of God. We can try to season our interactions with God's own words. And as we disciple one another, we can read the Bible together and good books that help explain the Bible and apply the Bible to our lives. We nurture growth in Christ in ourselves and in each other as we speak the word of God to each other and hear the word of God from each other. Lastly, in terms of witness, when it comes to evangelism, if faith comes from hearing the word of Christ, we should focus on telling people the word of Christ. We shouldn't get bogged down in peripheral matters course if people have questions we should try our best to answer them but we want to get to the gospel we want to get to the power of God that is available to them for salvation 
because faith comes from hearing that, hearing the gospel. When we think about unbelievers we know, we might sometimes think, if, if Jesus would just appear before them right now, visibly, then they'd believe in him. Perhaps you've thought that before. But faith comes from hearing, not seeing. And Jesus already did that before lots of people during his earthly life. And many of them didn't believe in him, even though they saw him. And also remember the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16. At the very end of the parable, verses 29 through 31, it says, But Abraham said, referring to the rich man's brothers who were still alive, They have Moses and the prophets, in other words, the word of God, let them hear them. And the rich man said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. People don't need to see Jesus with their eyes. They need to hear Jesus with their ears. And so we should tell them about Jesus because faith comes from hearing. And of course, this also has implications for missions, doesn't it? This makes missions urgent and necessary, like we talked about last time. Because how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Since faith comes from hearing, we must go and we must preach. Those are at least some implications of this truth for our life together here at CRPC using the categories of our mission statement. I'm sure you could think of other implications. In fact, I would encourage you to perhaps discuss them or the ones I've mentioned after the service or over lunch. Uh, But I want to close with one final thought regarding our own spiritual growth as individuals. Just thinking about that one element, our own spiritual growth as individuals. Faith comes from hearing. If you want your faith to grow, hear the word. Put yourself where you're going to hear the word. If you have a little plant and you want your little plant to grow, what do you do with it? You give it some water and you put it where it's going to get some sunlight. And over time, it will grow. It's the same with us. Faith comes from hearing. So put yourself where you're going to hear the word, where you're going to be watered with the word. Put yourself in the sunlight and each day by the grace of God, you will grow. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for these verses and for what we've learned from them today. Please grow our faith in you and our trust in you by means of hearing your word, both this morning and this evening together and every day as we put ourselves in the sunlight of your word. Make us grow. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a minute to ponder prayerfully what we've heard and then we'll sing together.